the Extra Hot Grade Podcast, episode 51 for the week of November 17th, 2014. I am a submarine with screen doors, David T. Cole, and I'm here with Ishtar Sarah D. Bunting. <laughs> we'll fix it in post. Perpetual also ran Tara Ariano. This year for sure. And nobody else. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. Our uh, month of banking podcasts continues, this time with a special all user submissions, all proposed no-knacks. If you are not familiar with the concept, the no-knack is the opposite of the canon. It's an episode that we are going to decide whether it's the worst episode of an otherwise good show. We have three very exciting submissions um, from you, our users, so let's get started with A Dozen Scoot. Hi. So first, I want to apologize for making anyone have to watch what I personally consider to be not only the worst episode of this show, but the worst episode of any show ever. I'm, of course, talking about Dawson's Creek Season 5, Episode 15, Downtown Crossing, or the one where Joey gets mugged. This was billed as the second part of a two-part episode, but I could never figure out why. Sure, the prior episode ends with Joey throwing a snowball at a sign, and that's where we pick up, but there wasn't a cliffhanger or anything, unless we count the will-she-or-won't-she question about Joey going to Mac on her professor. Spoiler alert, yes, yes, she will. Because the first terrible thing about this episode is that Joey is the only regular cast member in it, partnered with the world's most charming mugger, Sam Ball. So... Already, this is a waste of an episode if you actually wanted to see the plot furthered on the show. We open on Joey and the snowball and the agreeing to go to Gross Professor's house, but oh no. Just after she's withdrawn a 20 from the ATM, she's approached by Mr. Ball. Before he out-and-out mugs her, they have some witty and mildly threatening banter back and forth. Hey. Hey. I didn't mean to scare you or anything. Well, you did, so... So where are you heading? Home. Eh, where's home? Uh, none of your business. Oh, snotty. I like hey. I'm not going to mug you or anything, if that's what you're worried about. Good to know. And I'm not about to force myself on you. <laughs> I can get my own dates. Thank you very much. You don't look so relieved. As far as potential rapists go... I don't mean to be rude, but... I, I, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, who is this guy? Why is he violating my envelope of space? Well... Truth is, I was wondering if you had any money that I could borrow. No. No? You're not even going to think about it? I thought about it, and I said no. See, this, this is the problem with the world. When you put yourself out there, you make yourself vulnerable, they just shoot you down without a second thought. Listen, I'm sorry. I don't have any money, okay? And seriously, you're scaring me, and I I just want to get home. Okay. Fair enough. I'm sorry for the hassle. Let me walk you home. No. That's understandable, but, you know, you should be careful, sweetheart. I mean, it's late. Next guy you come across, he might not be as nice as me. She's a moron and doesn't act on her gift of fear, and so, to the surprise of absolutely no one, he tries to mug her. I say tries because, for a good few minutes, she just snarks back and forth with him about it. And this is after he's showed her that he's armed. Come on. Just give me what you got. I assure you this will all end reasonably well. Look, I don't have anything to give you. First of all, hon, you just walked out of an ATM. Secondly, rich little college girl like you. Where do you go? 
Harvard, or Wellesley. Worthington. <laughs> See, that's very nice. Doesn't make me any less folk at the moment. Well, you getting scared? You know, don't be scared. It's easy for you to say you're holding the gun. Okay, be scared. But just so you know, I really don't have any intention of using it. Right, this from the guy who five minutes ago said he had no intention of mugging me? Just trying to put you at ease. Maybe you should have thought twice about, I don't know, mugging me. Well, what's done is done. Water under the bridge and whatnot. I think we're gonna have to get past it. I mean, if we're gonna have a successful mugger-muggy relationship here. Don't you? Is there any chance that that gun may accidentally go off in your pants? Because that would be really great. You know what? You young lady are a wise ass, you know that? And I may just have to shoot you yet. After a terrible rape threat, some awful discussion of how everyone loves boys' names for girls, and various other pleasantries no one in the world would ever exchange with someone who is committing a violent crime against them, he forces her back to the ATM and makes her empty both her checking and savings accounts. He steals her coat, and after some more awful, witty banter, he allows her to leave. Then he gets hit by a car. Dum-Dum Joey goes over to him, takes back her coat, cash, and phone, and then realizes he's not dead... So they have some more god-awful banter while she calls and then waits for an ambulance. Can I ask you a question? Doesn't look like I'm going anywhere. You're a drug dealer, fairly lucrative profession, right? So why do you go around terrorizing college girls in the middle of the night? Well, Joey, the industry in which I toil, it goes through periodic dry spells. This just happens to be one of them. Plus, I have a very high-maintenance wench of a wife. How does the little lady feel about your line of work? She's not a big fan, actually. In fact, she finally kicked my ass out last month. I'm trying to worm my way back into her heart ever since. You want me to call her? No. Well, I'm sure she'd probably like to know about this. Yeah, well, I don't want her to know, okay? And then, blah, 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 fish cakes, Joey's at the hospital, where she's met his wife and daughter, and of course lectured the wife about how she should be nicer to her drug-dealing mugger of a husband for the daughter's sake. I think I owe you an apology, Joey. I think the scumbag who mugged you was probably my husband. Well, if it makes you feel any better, he was, he was nice about it. <laughs> Great. Maybe they can put that on his headstone. He was nice about it. He screwed up his daughter's life, but he was really nice about it. I think I'm about done here. You're not going to stay? No. Why the hell would I? To see how he is? I don't care anymore. Whether he lives or dies, what difference does it make to me at this point? For her sake. Trust me, she is better off without him. Look, I'm sorry about everything. I wish there was something I could say or do to take away what happened to you tonight, but I can't. So please, let's just move on, okay? Look, I'm sorry. I know this is none of my business, but for some reason I somehow feel like it is, and so I'm just going to say it. I've been that little girl. She doesn't know her dad's a loser. She thinks he's pretty much the greatest thing in the entire world. So if things don't go exactly his way tonight, wouldn't you like to give her the chance to... to what? To say goodbye. You're right about one thing, Joey. This is none of your business. 
because of course Joey is the daughter. See guys, there's a moral here, or something. After some more drama, Joey somehow ends up being alone with Mr. Ball while he's dying. She gets some much-needed, though ultimately irrelevant, closure regarding her own drug-dealing father. You want to know why I need that money so bad? A couple of weeks ago, Gracie let me walk Sammy to school. <laughs> why the hell she did, I have no idea. Must have been a moment of weakness. She gave me 500 bucks to pay for her daycare. What do I do? Drop my daughter off at school and spend the money on dope. Heartwarming story. What's your point? Well, the point is, I love my wife. I love my daughter. But and who I am. Nothing's going to change that. I mean, you want to know why people do the things that they do? Or... There is no why, sweetheart. They just do. That's crap. If you really loved your daughter, if you really loved her, you wouldn't do those things. No, you're wrong. I do love my daughter. <laughs> I love her very much. I love her so much it's easier just being stoned. Uh, yeah, it's not like I can overcome every tragic flaw I have. It's just not possible, you know? So let me ask you a question. She comes to you in 15 years and asks you why you couldn't get over yourself for her, and what do you say? Grow up. Get on with your life. Don't blame me. <laughs> and then, I shit you not, she and the mugger sing close to you in two-part harmony as he dies. Seriously, this was an actual episode of television. I feel like I don't even need to make a case for why it belongs in the Nonak. You've all just watched it. It is terrible. Uh, I'll, st <laughs> I'll start. Um, when Dave said we had a Nonak submission for Dawson's Creek, I said, is it downtown Clark Crossing? And I was right, of course, because this is definitely generally agreed upon through culture um, to be the worst episode of Dawson's Creek. And it really is. She, what she doesn't really emphasize in her submission is... He threatens to rape her like four times in the in the preamble to him mugging her. And yet she still is hanging around and like being cute and hang, trying to tell his estranged wife how to behave with him and stuff. I'm like, this is not how any real person would act in this situation, I don't think. Um, so, yeah, the but when I was discussing it with Sarah earlier this week, she made a very good point about its no knack worthiness. And Sarah, here's where I'm going to turn it over to you. Um, well, here's the problem, and I'm always the one who is sort of getting meta about canon submissions and <laughs> saying, you know, are we talking about whether this is, like, great, qua great, or if this is a representative episode, and the Nonak version of that is like, is this bad? Yes. This is like an insult to television, mm -hmm. um, eyeballs, sandball, <laughs> you name it. The city but, of Boston. Yeah, which is apparently completely devoid of people <laughs> it was the most... once the sun goes down. <laughs> yeah. For a downtown crossing, it's remarkably deserted. Yeah. Like, I don't think it was even supposed to be that late. I don't remember because I had actually quit the show by this point. Me and, uh, too. I don't think I had actually ever seen this one all the way through. Um, I did nurse uh, 
our esteemed colleague Jessica Morgan back to mental health after having to <laughs> recap it. Yeah. I'm surprised she still talks to us. Anyway, <laughs> my larger point is, is this really that much worse mm. than the rest of the show? Right. This is an egregiously terrible episode of TV, but mostly it's boring. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so unrealistic two and a half minutes in. Yeah. Like, she's not checking over her shoulder. She's just, like, on the phone in the ATM. Like, this is supposed to be a fairly worldly person, mm-hmm. Joey. I mean, obviously she's not because she was in love with Dawson for a long time. But <laughs> right. anyway, I just don't, like, I didn't buy any of it. So it was difficult to get too exercised about any of it. And then, like, the estranged wife shows up and I'm like, hey, it's Harmony from Buffy. And... I did feel like pretty bad for everyone involved, but having recapped most of that show, I, I just like it's definitely bad, mm-hmm. but I just don't know if it's like so much worse than the rest of the than the rest of the show's run where yeah. you, you know, the good episodes of that show, like ones that didn't make you want to throw anything, you can count on one hand. Yeah. You don't need your thumb either. No, and that's the thing, like if both of us had bailed at this point, is it really, as we say in our, you know, our description of what the Nonak is, is it an otherwise good show? And the question is, I mean, for me, it is, it, it's not. But what do you think, Dave? Well, somebody asked that very question when I called for submission and said, well, you know, the only thing we're ta- not talking about is a show that is, you know, so universally, you know, terrible that nobody really even ever speaks of it anymore. Right. So, you know, don't get cultural... too caught up in the, you know, is this a show of distinction? Right. And then I need to find the worst show in this masterpiece theater worthy <laughs> right. TV show. I mean, this qualifies as something that is no knackable. So I think that's... I mean, it was yeah. it was part of the culture at the time. And it yeah. is still a show that's beloved of many people. Yeah. I mean, just because it's loved because it was so, you know bad in all its ways doesn't mm-hmm. mean that there can't be a you know terrible episode that's above and beyond the rest of the terrible episodes i mean you know is beverly hills 90210 a good show no no <laughs> but i still love it and we have inducted episodes of that into the canon as well yeah. so yeah but and that does raise an interesting question for our next um all known acts episode which is the whatever the christmas episode is with the angels talking about yes. them and saving them from the bus crash yes because that's, I mean, that's so terrible that I, ca- I can't watch what it. What about the one where they're all from the 60s? That one's really bad, Also too. terrible. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. And the bottle episode at the cabin when Brandon falls off a cliff and yet his hair doesn't move. But we're oh getting off God. track. But are we, though? Really? <laughs> and here, here's another thing, though, now that I think about it. Like, Dave yes. makes good points or clarifies my questions, at least. But can you really have... a worst episode of Dawson's ever in which Dawson himself is not present (gasps) since he was usually the biggest problem. Interesting. That's an interesting question. Dave, what did you think of the episode? Well, you guys are the experts when it comes to Dawson's Creek. I mean, that's this site wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that show as everything started with a site called Dawson's Rap, which grew into TWAP, which, you know, and all that. So, um, Speaking as a Dawson's Creek outsider, I mean, this this episode was just written so poorly. It's like somebody started to write a meet cute episode <laughs> yep. and then decided, you know, at the end of it to sort of retrofit it to be this mugging story and forgot to like put all the meet cutesy dialogue out of it where she's just kind of, you know, it just seems like she's 
people are flirting with, you know, rapists. Yeah, <laughs> like, she. It's it's like Katie Holmes doesn't know how to act it, but at the same time, I feel like this is the thing where she went to the writers' room and was like, "I really need to showcase. This is my year for the yeah. Emmys." You know, it did. Yeah, or rather that you know this was the year that they blew their budget on something, so they had to do <laughs> right. these episodes where a whole bunch of the cast members didn't get paid, and that you know mm-hmm. bounced the books for that season, which happens a lot. Sure. Um, see, also as a season, you know, as a show gets longer in the tooth suddenly you know uh, regular characters start to fall off the page and that's another reason why that's all usually cost you know yeah well this is also why parenthood seasons keep getting shorter is because their opening credits cast is like right 24 deep or yeah something. Uh, but watching this episode just you know as some dude who had to watch this because it was in the no neck. <laughs> um, so so did we, for the record. You know, I know, yeah. but you know, I I the number of Dawson's Creek episodes I actually watched, watch I can probably count on my hands. You know, even though there was like seventeen thousand seasons of it, um, this was like really terrible. Like, not only were everybody's motivations way out there, everybody's um, reactions totally wrong. The downtown boston that seemed to be more deserted than any episode of the walking dead seemed to be really wrong uh-huh, um, uh-huh. you know uh how about just yelling yeah you know if you think yeah. you know, try that and then she kicks him but like this very sort of twyla kick yeah. and then He's like, that was not cool. And I'm like, that was the only cool thing that happened, except for the part where she didn't make sure that you were knocked the fuck out. Right. Like, and what to is the going ye- on? To the yelling point, too. And in various other shots, when they change the angle, we can see there's a pizza place on the corner, too, which presumably is open. So, anyway. <laughs> um, and then after the street scene, you know, he gets hit by the car and then... Uh, is taken to the hospital and she's, you know, also taking the hospital to check her out. Nobody seems to know that they're connected. You know, everybody who could figure out that out is not on set anymore. So there's a lot of interaction with other people from the mugger's lives, uh, life who comes in and, you know, there's this slow burning scene where obviously the, you know, the climax of it is going to be, oh my God, you were run over by my husband. It's like, and it just sort of lasts so long yeah. that you're wondering Am I super smart or do the writers think everybody is incredibly dumb? Yeah. Um, So, you know, it's a really, really poorly written episode. It's a poorly, um, like, the very concept just shouldn't have made it beyond, uh, you know, somebody's head. You know, it never should have got on paper. never should have been committed to Pixel. Agree. And the little button on it at the end where uh she has to lie to the dead father's tiny little this is air quotes cute little girl (laughs) yeah no (laughs) who looks like one of those um i know it's bad to like (laughs) slam a kid she can't help it but i'm gonna anyways she kind of looks like the kid version of those um don't you want to be just like us twilight zone episode pig people (laughs) (laughs) that's that's a little harsh. I wow. said the kid version. <laughs> but I you have see to remember you that the, the, the young of the species are generally cuter than the adults. So me, she's a cuter little pig. To me, she looked more like she has like a who face, like from Dr. Seuss. All right, well, she had whatever. a really long upper lip. Not cute. Anyway. Um, yeah, well, um, <laughs> anyways, she lies at the end. It's like, oh, no, your dad saved me from a, you know. He a, pushed me out of the way. pushed me out of the way of the car. And, blah, and it was just like, at and no point. And then she puts the money that she stole back from him into Harmony's pocket. Yeah. Like, no. 
Yeah. Yeah. At no point in this was anybody doing the right thing. (laughs) No. Um, And wear a hat. It's winter and cover your split ends. Okay, I'm done. Um, So was it a terrible episode? Sure. How does it stack up against other Dawson's Creek episodes? I mean, I don't know. I do think it would be interesting if the worst episode of Dawson's Creek did not contain uh, Dawson, because I think then that gives Dawson an out, which I think James <laughs> Vanderbeek would be very happy about. And to be fair, he's, he seems to have turned into kind of a cool guy later in life. So He really has. He really did bring it back online. He turned it around. Yeah. Legitimately. So, like, this is an episode to avoid, and I can see why anybody who was watching the series would hate this, because... Um, you know, it is this sort of an aside story and a very poor one at that. You know, it's just her. Mm-hmm. And she's not the strongest character in the world. No, but they sure shot, thought she was when yeah. that show was on. Yeah. Um, so terrible episode, but I'm interested to see if you how you think it stacks up against other terrible episodes, which mm. you would be more uh, inclined to know about. All right. So are we voting? Well, are there other... I'm asking. Are there more terrible episodes? And is this more terrible than those other terrible episodes? Oh, I mean, it's hard for me to... It was so long ago. And it's not a show that I ever, like, rewatched. You know? I didn't go back and revisit it after I wrote about it. But what about the ones that made you really mad? Ones where they, you know, they were telegraphing, you know, this pairing. But they went with that pairing. Oh, Dave, I'm so old. Like, I really don't remember the show. Like, I really... It's... it's, I do. (laughs) This didn't make me nearly as angry as a lot of the... A lot of the stuff. Interesting. Like a lot of the just character assassinations, stupidity, mm-hmm. insisting on putting yet another TV rave in front of my eyeballs. This oh, is like a pet face. peeve. Of yeah. Mine. yeah. Um yeah. I mean, it could also be that I I tend to watch stuff now slightly more like anthropologically mm-hmm. and I don't get as pissed about it. Right. Like, I was, whatever, leafing through a Lucky magazine and doing my nails. Like, this 43 minutes was not a total loss, but... <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's bad, and for people to get really angry and find it offensive, sure. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to say let's let's vote, and we'll go to Tara. Well, on behalf of all the people that did stick with the show and did love it and probably in their rewatches skip over this one, and also on behalf of, like, old Joey, who in the early, early going was kind of cool and at this point is just a complete phoebe. Um, <laughs> speaking of character assassination, I'm going to vote yes, it is no knackable. All right. And Sarah, what do you say on the no knack? worthiness um, the, of this the use of the term phoebe yeah. does uh, so, sort of sway me slightly towards voting yes what if i added and simp? I think yes simp also a good one uh stunad maroon and with the baby voice ufa mm. um this is a terrible episode i think it's a solid submission respect for the submission and no disrespect to people who survived the entire show and this episode <laughs> and really do feel that it's uh no knacky but um no dawson is no no knack for mm. me i'm voting no Fair yeah enough. and no knack is supposed to be the worst episode of the series you know once we say that something is a no knack unless it's an ongoing series that's it the books are closed so you got to keep that in mind when you're voting and uh since i haven't seen the whole series and tara never really gave me an answer i gotta go with sarah on this one and say there's going to be a worse episode than this is probably has dawson and uh she would know um it put her kid through college (laughs) 
All right. Uh, That's down, fair. Down, was it? Downtown Crossing, not Downton Crossing. Yeah, Downtown Crossing. You are not in the Nonak for... You are not the Nonak for... <laughs> Dawson's Creek. So that means the door is open for other submissions of even worser episodes of Dawson's Creek. So bring them on. Yeah. All right. Shit. What did I do? (laughs) Coming up next, it is Project Runway. Hi, Extra Hot Great. My name is Dylan Garcia from Austin, Texas, and I'm submitting season. AMC Network's Sundance Now is a premium streaming video service offering a rich selection of prestige dramas, heart-stopping thrillers, and gripping true crime series from around the world. Sundance Now believes that life is more enriching when experienced through perspectives that differ from our own. Why is Sundance Now so awesome? Sundance Now's catalog includes award-winning original content, international exclusives, and hard-to-find properties at a fair price. You get premium content and no commercials for as low as $4.99 a month with an annual membership. And you can enjoy it anywhere. Sundance Now works on all your favorite devices. Download the app or watch online on Apple and Android devices, Amazon Fire TV, Google Chromecast, Roku, and more. My favorite aspect of Sundance Now is their documentary library. Pop culture investigations like The Cult of J.T. Leroy, The Pussy Riot Doc, and that must-see for Project Runway fans, Bill Cunningham, New York. But the catalog is impressively deep on the true crime front, too. There are lots of films I've covered for my true crime newsletter, but just as many I haven't had a chance to watch yet, and I had to force myself not to start Valentine Road instead of recording this ad, so... Let's get to that promo code so that I can get back to the film, and you can join me free for 30 days. Start streaming your next obsession. To try Sundance Now free for 30 days, go to SundanceNow.com and use promo code EHG. That's S-U-N-D-A-N-C-E-N-O-W.com and use promo code EHG for 30 days of free streaming. Thanks, Sundance Now! Season 9, Episode 3 of Project Runway, titled Go Big or Go Home, for consideration into the Nonak. This episode belongs to the Nonak because of its vague, gimmicky challenge, its boring conflict, and its disgusting clothing. The episode begins with Heidi walking down the runway on a pair of stilts, followed by more models also on stilts. At least two designers who are adults are visibly frightened by the stilt walkers. Heidi tells the designers they will be designing an outfit for the stilt walkers in teams of two which is a classic sign of a weak episode. There's a reason that I am this tall right now. For your next challenge, we want you to think big, really big. Meet your models for your next challenge. Hi, ladies. (laughs) For your next runway show, we want you to think outside of the box. We want you to create a look that is eye-catching, imaginative, and truly larger than life. You will be divided into teams of two, and each team will have a stilt walker as your model. After a drawing from the button bag determines the teams, Heidi announces the runway will take place in public for the first time in Project Runway history, even though there have been plenty of episodes when they were in public, but whatever. The designers are told they have one day for a challenge, another sign of a shitty episode, and their models come in for a consultation. Victor describes his idea for a dress as Victorian, which Burke quickly and condescendingly corrects as Elizabethan. Kind of like Queen Victoria a little bit, like just a little bit big here, nice big, like open here, but maybe Mm -hmm. a big collar, but it's sexy here. Uh Queen Victoria was in mourning for 50 years. I don't think that's a sexy direction I would like to go into. If you do a dress like a bustle, like here, her boobs are going to be shown like nicely. That's not Victorian, that's Elizabethan. Or whatever. Well, there's a difference. Bird is a know-it-all. He's just very obnoxious. 
Victor really needs to do a little bit of book reading. I mean, you colored that, not me. But if you don't put it underneath the whole dress and the jacket, then you're gonna, it's gonna be messy. What do you mean messy? I thought the shape was supposed to be kind of roundish. Why don't you finish this, well, since we you have a... the whole idea? No, I don't have the whole idea. This is a design that we're working on together. Okay. No, I know, I, I'm not saying yeah. that. I'm saying, no, 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 you need to hold on. You need to hold on. Let me finish. I'll be back. Okay, you're going back. I can deal with you. It's like you act like a small kid, like you don't, you don't let me no, talk. No, because you're, you're getting confused. No, it's not a question. You're getting confused. It's not a question, it was a comment. Okay, well, I'm making a Save statement. Save for the judge. He's like so immature. It's like a 57 year old kid. Selena's worried about teammate Bryce using black fabric because she doesn't want to make a gothic ballerina because that would be ridiculous. Julie is so excited about her matador design that she playfully pokes her teammate Josh, who angrily and confusingly calls her a poker and a puncher. Tim makes the rounds, and the only team with a remotely interesting dress is Anthony, Ryan, and Laura's, which is a red dress with a collar that looks suspiciously like the collar Anthony made one episode before. Celine cries. We cut to the next day, and the designers get ready for the public runway. The public runway takes place in Battery Park, and a huge crowd is gathered. Feline cries again. Heidi introduces the judge, which includes guest judge and stilt walker expert Kim Kardashian. All of the outfits are hideous, including Josh and Julie's eye-searing matador outfit, Victor and Bert's couch fabric dress, Feline and Bryce's non-dress, and Cecilia and Danielle's pumpkin-haired 50s housewife dress. At the judging, Anthony, Ryan, and Laura, Kimberly and Becky, and Cecilia and Daniel are on the top, while Julie and Josh, Bert and Victor, and Bryce and Feline are the bottom. Laura is named the winner and receives immunity. Bert and Victor are criticized for their dresses and their poor teamwork. While defending his reasoning for not sketching, Victor hilariously screams, he took my HP computer. Strangely, the only outfit outright laughed at is Julie and Josh's matador thing, though all of them were hilariously ugly. Felina sits at home for not making anything but a headpiece, and isn't even given the dignity of the typical drum sound. You know the one. But literally, you gave her a black swan. Yeah. I don't get it. This has no effort put into it. It does look like just a tank top that I wear to bed, and it looks like a tie wrapped around the waist a couple times. This just looks like you could have done this in 15 minutes. You know, I think the idea had so much promise. However, there's nothing, there's no detail. It's just the beginning of something. It's, it's it, like you said, it's like half done. Well, it's like none done. Yeah. I love our headpiece. I think the headpiece is well, great. I'm so glad I made something. <laughs> I think the headpiece is great. Listen, to me, it's like, she's got every dance reference and it ends up just looking like nothing because they don't meld. If there could be any redeeming qualities said about this episode, I guess it would be rage-inducing eventual winner Anya is barely seen. Also, if you do some snooping online, Josh C. and Raphael's decoy outfit can be found, which is so bad it's kind of hilarious. Their outfit was clearly edited out, which explains the strange green screen effect at the end of the runway when all the models walk out together. <sighs> Whether deciding whether or not this episode belongs in the Nonak, I present a question. Is there anything worse than dedicating your whole life to fashion design only to have Kim Kardashian judge your ability to make a costume for a stilt walker? With that in mind, I humbly believe this episode should be in the Nonak as the worst Project Runway episode of all time. Thanks for the consideration, and thanks for making the best damn TV podcast out there. Aww. Take care. Sarah, oh. why, don't, why don't you start us up? 
I shall. Thank you so much for the submission, Dylan. Um, listening to it was much more pleasurable than sitting through this episode. <laughs> um, this episode comes from the Anya, Victor, Luna, and Josh the Bedazzler season of Project Runway. Um, that's season nine. I don't recall offhand if Michael Kors was still filling the pole position seat full time. I think he was. But he is in this episode. And... Um, like this challenge is terrible, but I'm I'm not sure I can vote for this as a no knack, and here's why. Um, it's entirely possible that over the last few years I've just gotten accustomed to weird, irrelevant challenges, and square peg sponsorships and rainway experiments and one day challenges are the norm now. I totally see what he's saying that like stilt walkers, who cares? Kim Kardashian, who cares? But this episode, relatively speaking, was not that bad. Like, I guess if you really hated Bert, it's like sort of upsetting because he's sort of jerky to Victor Luna, but you should really know the difference between Elizabethan and Victorian. It's like if not, you're a fashion designer or it's anyone. It's not a fine line. They're no. not like even neighboring eras. I don't no, and when Bert says like Queen Victoria was in mourning for fifty years, that's not the look I'm going for. Like that's a good line and he's right yeah he is i mean the central challenge is definitely out of left field and has absolutely no real world applications or relationship to fashion as a field of study but the episode was pretty entertaining on a problem solving level and the judges actually were not the caricatured versions of themselves like i thought given the like ridiculousness happening. They were fairly measured and even Kim Kardashian had a few good notes. Um, the winner and the loser are not an outrage, which in this particular season is kind of an achievement because you got colorblind people and people who just pin stuff. And <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know, like this episode compared to what comes after it. Like, I think this episode is, fairly middle of the road or sort of typical of what we may have Stockholm syndromed ourselves into thinking is normal for the show. Mm -hmm. But if this is not an episode in which Gretchen wins, <laughs> hard pressed to say that it's the worst. <laughs> what did you guys think? Well, first of all, non sh in keeping with our fail theme in the episode, non shout out to the Lifetime Apple TV app, because we tried to watch it on, on it and instead of being the episode that it claimed to be when we hit play it was dance moms and then when we tried another episode in this season it was like some tv movie so good job lifetime the ones ones from the seems didn't seem to be up to date but still it's very weird anyway um yeah i wasn't really sure why this was picked either i mean it's, dylan is hilarious <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm almost swayed but like it it doesn't it doesn't stand out to me as being especially egregious i mean the weirdest thing about it is that they say that what's her face with the the gothic ballerina girl Feline. That mm -hmm. she, they say the only thing they like about her outfit is the headpiece, and that's the only thing she made. And then she gets sent home, so I don't get it. But um, and this is one of those times that actually later seasons extended judging mm -hmm. would have been helpful because I think the problem was that she couldn't pattern match, right. like she couldn't seam match, right. and I I am assuming the judges knew that or were told that, and right. We're like, we can keep her, but she's just going to go home next week because she doesn't know what she's doing. Right. I mean, and also just as a sidebar, it also makes you wonder if uh, the whole thing where they bring out the winner, winning and losing looks and like get right up in them and inspect them really closely was a direct reaction to all the outrage after Anya won. 
I'm just, right. I mean, I think I feel like it came about a couple of seasons later, but still. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't, you know, this this just feels like I mean, maybe at the time it felt more wrong. But as you say, like all of the stuff that's dumb about this episode has continued to be dumb in future episodes. And the fact, I mean, the only thing that I can think that would really distinguish it is that it's the first episode of this season where they actually got to go buy fabric because the first two were unconventional materials challenges or something else. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I didn't not enjoy watching it, so... Yeah, no, I had a fine time revisiting it, usually with stuff like this, like unless it's really early seasons, mm-hmm. like Wendy Pepper era or around there. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's it's not like, it's not a worthwhile rewatch, but this was interesting to see these people again, and it was like, oh yeah, Bert. Right. I enjoyed that guy. Dave, you love shirts and stilts. <laughs> sure do. Well, the answer to the uh, who would care about uh, doing fashions on stilts, um, the uh, puppeteers from the Dark Crystal, obviously. <laughs> Comes to mind. True. That's true. <laughs> um, I wish I could recall what those creatures are called, but they can't. Skexis. No, not those guys. Oh. There's, there's uh, <laughs> basically like the horses of the universe are oh, like these guys yeah. are stride. Maybe they're called like striders or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those guys. Uh, shout out to those guys. <laughs> I sort of wish that someone would have made like an Adat Walker type box mm-hmm. just had someone like driving it with a gear shift you might as well i mean <laughs> yeah exactly like as you as you said sarah like it's none of this is about fashion that regular people are supposed to wear in regular life uh i can't tell you why i don't think this is the no knack because nothing in this episode seemed quite as stupid as the red robin challenge they did <laughs> um, yeah. yeah i was gonna mention that um, thank you for bringing that up yeah um here's a show that is like so long in the tooth and so afraid of um, I would imagine uh, doing the same thing or at least looking like they're doing the same thing week after week, which I don't think would necessarily be a bad thing for the type of show it is. I mean, I don't know what the harm is in doing a nice evening dress or a nice day dress and, you know, and then just mix it up with seasons or, uh, uh, you know, the type of event you're going to formal versus, you know, casual and all that kind of stuff. Listen to or, you. But the color, you have to use bamboo. Right. Yeah. But I the one, you. but the one where it's like, well, uh, what we really are looking for is, uh, a, imagine you're on Jupiter and you've got <laughs> right. a really high gravity situation. So, you know, the, the dress is really going to be compact. So you got to make sure that you integrate, you know, airy <laughs> lattice work into your whatever, you yeah. know, into the, also it's sponsored by pure Kentucky bourbon. Exactly. <laughs> oh, so make okay. sure that you integrate, you know, their long history and smooth, sweet flavors into like at some point. <laughs> oh, and also we're sending you to the cloisters to sketch for inspiration. Yeah. So integrate those three things. Okay. Bye. So, you know, the longer the show goes on, HP computer, <laughs> the more ridiculous the challenges seem to get, at least in the aggregate, it's you true. know, by season by season. And, you know, there's obviously sponsor pressure from the network to get certain certain things, you know, in the show. See Red Robin probably is the most egregious one that I know of. I bet there's more. Um, but it seems to me that this show is just going to have dumber and dumber episodes as it goes along. And even for an ongoing show, I bet this isn't the dumbest one. Just knowing that that Red Robin one exists and that I watched it and watching this no knack submission didn't make me nearly as angry as that Red Robin one did. That was really bad. It's it was, not even a fashion brand at all. But here's the thing. Even the Red Robin guy is like, what I the don't fuck know why am I doing the, here? But yeah. what makes the Red Robin one worse is that 
the stupidest thing about the episode was uh, out of the participants' hands, yeah, right? You're it's right. like if if the show was dumb because like uh, some guy decided to you know, uh, today's fashion needs pants as, as hats. You know, and that, wow, that was a dumb, it got kicked off and there's a big argument. All right, whatever. That might be, you know, a worthy moment uh, created by a contestant. But like, we started off, you got to create a burger inspired, whatever. I don't remember what the fuck it was. <laughs> it was really stupid. It was too stupid to remember. It was, yeah. And like, that there is the fault no, of the producers. There was no tie-in. Right. It was like, we have a lot of kinds of burgers. There's a lot of kinds of fashion. Oh, and while Make you're- ske- kind of fashion. And while you're sketching, here's some bottomless fries. Right. Um, It was just like so forced, so obvious, uh, so out of place. And you know Tim Gunn was mortified that he had to be wherever they were in uh, Eh. Secaucus, New Jersey. I don't know. I feel like his defenses have worn down over the years. And now he's like, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Tim Gunn loves money. Anyways, so um, I'm not a big Project Runway watcher, but I've seen enough to know that there is at least one episode worse than this one. (laughs) Therefore, I have to say no. Yeah, I agree. No. Sarah? Yeah, no for me. All right. Thank you for the submission. It was hilarious. That was a really good submission, yes. And uh, I apologize for keeping in the little flubs, but those were endearing. Speaking of endearing flubs. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Go Big, Go Home, Season 9, Episode 3. Not inducted into the canon. Project Runway canon still open for something. All right, here we go. Tara, you want to say something? Um, speaking of endearing flubs, here's a submission about The Good Wife, and it made me laugh so much when I listened to it this morning. The episode I'm submitting for the Nonak is The Good Wife and The Law One, Season 4, Episode 2. The Good Wife is a procedural show with soap opera elements, and the procedural part is the court case, and the soap opera elements are everything that happens outside the court. They often revolve around Alicia being the wife of Peter Florek, a Chicago politician. This particular episode happens in season four, the weakest season of The Good Wife. This episode fails on three fronts. First, in the case of the week involving a student at a protest, it's just okay, it's not that strong. The quirky judge is James Urbaniak, who's biased in favor of Harvard-related evidence. Uh, Your Honor, Mr. Beecham taking a drug that could alter his brain chemistry is perfectly relevant. In fact, there was a study on Elvatil's side effects at, uh, let me see... Harvard Medical School. Really? Do you have it here? I do, Your Honor. It's um, common that the writers will give the judge a quirk like Anna Gasteyer's In My Opinion Judge, who I really actually like. But the judge is just kind of annoying and seems very one-dimensional and stupid. This also has a quirky jury where the jury gets to ask questions of the witnesses. The case plays out as usual with Kalinda finding the evidence during the trial that leads to the settlement. Second, the firm is in financial trouble, and Nathan Lane, as Clark Hayden, is the accountant overseeing the firm. He is given very little to do in the first season, besides being mysterious in whom he fires. The results of these firings are never explained and set the character to seem vengeful and incompetent. I actually like this character later, but he'll be better used and better written in later episodes. Third is Kalinda's husband's storyline. She's always been the character with a mysterious past. As often happens, you don't actually want to know what the past is. It's the worst thing about the fourth season and was rumored to be cut short because the audience hated it. When not fighting or having weird sex scenes, they talk like no people ever. You left me. Yeah. 
You left me hanging, my lowest point. I wish I'd seen your face. Two years inside, I get out. I expect my loving wife to be there. Instead, you take my money and you burn my clothes. Did you cry? In the worst scene of the episode, Kalinda and Nick are at an ice cream parlor in the middle of the day for some reason. He fingers her, then puts his fingers in her ice cream. And in defiance of this, she continues eating the ice cream. And if you listen, they actually punch up the children's voices when the fingering happens. Nick has more scenes, one with Alicia that's filled with menace, as all his scenes are filled with menace. And it's unsettled and boring. Later, there's a nonsensical dialogue and a sex scene because Kalinda has sex. Also, very little Eli as played by Alan Cumming. Overall, The Good Wife is one of the best series on television. Season 5 was great. Season 4 just wasn't up to its writing standards. They eventually righted course towards the end of the season, but it just started off really badly, especially with this Kalinda and her husband plotline. It sucked. So I'm submitting this for the Nonak, as I believe this is <coughs> mainly because of the Kalinda's husband storyline and his stupid scenes in this stupid episode. I'm submitting this episode for the Nonak. Uh, thank you. Um... <laughs> so here's my problem with this Nonak submission in a nutshell. I think this might be a substituting a Nonak submission for a storyline in its whole. Yeah. I know everybody hated the husband storyline and um, in this episode, it's such a small part of it that it didn't really bother me. And I thought the uh, Harvard judge courtroom scenes were just fine in keeping with, you know, the good wife's tradition of the quirky judge and working around it and all that stuff. So I think, you know, it's not the best episode out there, but I think maybe we're falling into the trap of this is a placeholder for a bigger subject matter, which is certainly in the spirit of the no-knack, but not in the, the letter of the law. What say you guys? Huh. Um, my notes are, this is the entirety of my notes that I took. Oh, it's a nick episode. Enough said. <laughs> um, I also always enjoy James Urbaniak, and that Harvard stu- the Harvard judge quirk didn't bother me. Um, the Nathan Lane bit was dumb, but I mean, all the like all the whatever ongoing financial problems with the firm I complained about for several seasons. I don't actually think season four is the weakest. I think season two was a little weaker. Mm. Than that, and the Maddie character, like that, just kind of went nowhere. I'm not sure why. Uh, I don't, I don't love that. I don't love Maura Tierney in the role. I mean, I seldom love Maura Tierney. Sorry, wife. Yeah. Um, More for me. But I didn't like her in this role. Like, I didn't like this episode, and I despised that storyline um, ne- for all the, the reasons next that. Line. That he cited, and I am glad that the writers were like, we fucked up. We're getting rid of him. Kalinda was never quite the same for me after it. Mm. That ice cream scene is so try-hardy. Like, it's not even that gross. It's just, like, trying so hard to be shocky. It's pretty gross, sir. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's pretty it's gross. It's pretty gross but... for network TV, but, like, yeah, I'll, I'll save my comments for my, my turn. Yeah, but it's far from the sort of most shocking fingering-related <laughs> 
scene, which th- that one was actually like pretty hot and well done and wasn't trying to whatever. Like, oh, it's Kalinda. She's pushing the boundaries of whatever. Like, I don't know. Like, I kind of wanted some soft serve and also to not be watching this episode anymore. Um, I think in the series to date, it's the worst. I, I mean, wow. I would hear arguments for another episode, but this one is terrible. I mean, I hear what you're saying. That, that you're 100% right about that scene. It's so dumb. And not only that, but, like, Archie Punjabi seems like she's selling it out. Like, it seems like she hates it. She's not, yeah. she's not trying. And when he's like, you left me, and she goes, did you cry? Like, no, no emotion. Like, doesn't even have her full voice behind the lines. Like, she does not care. She hates it. Um, or so it seems to me, but I, with good reason, absolutely. But I thought, um, I thought, I thought James Urbaniak was funny. I, I always like him too. I thought the, um, the stuff about the case was interesting to me. I thought the, um, figuring out which of the jurors was pressing all the stuff was neat and how she figured it out. And then Will was like, I don't, I just need to know how to, how to argue to this one person. And then, you know, tailored his questioning after that to be like, you know, after after he survived a major family tragedy, hint, like, you know, I thought that that stuff was pretty okay. And, you know, at the time it was extremely timely, um, you know, and was very Occupy, was occupied times. So um, as much as I hate Nick and I, and I do, um, I don't, I, I don't think the rest of the episode was as bad as that for me. So I'm going to vote no on no knackiness. I will also vote no on no knackiness, but Sarah, it sounds like we have a yes vote. Uh, it's yes knack. Yes me. knack. Well, look at this. All three denied. Three <laughs> no knack denials. That means we didn't get to see the, we didn't get to uh, oh. rather hear the delicious oh. no knack success music. Too bad. I guess you guys are just going to have to uh, bring it for our next no knack special. Um, Excellent submissions though. Absolutely. All Thank you so much. I did hear somebody who uh, didn't beat the buzzer on submissions. They told me what they were submitting for a particular uh, sci-fi um, TV show and it sounded like a true contender. Mm. So maybe we can play that in substitution of a canon when we're back in action uh, week sure. to week yeah. in December. All right, everybody. Uh, that is our last episode. So maybe that... So, right? Yep. yep. So next week, uh, knock on wood, or at least the next episode, we'll be back in action with regular scheduled Stuff. programming. Yay! Thank you. Thank you.